Welcome to today's podcast with Bishop Wale Ajayi. Second Corinthians 6. Have we all received grace? Have you received grace? Good. So let's see this now. So Paul now writes to the Corinthian church. He says, having to those who have received grace, yeah, we then as what? Workers. Workers. Huh? Together with him. Workers. Born servants. Together with him. Huh? What did he say? Plead with, plead with you also not to do what? Receive the grace of God in vain. So he said, we as co-workers with him plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So we just saw in Romans 1 that we have received grace. Now, Paul is speaking to us now that, oh, I plead with you not to receive the grace of God in what? Vain. What's Paul speaking about? That means it's possible to receive the grace of God and it's received in vain. So Paul is pleading with this church, oh, God's grace is extended to all of us, given to us, don't receive it in vain. Now, let us, first of all, explain the bit, so for those who don't understand, what exactly is the grace of God? Go back up a bit to chapter 5, look at verse 21, the, the verse preceding chapter 6, verse 1. What does it say in that verse, 21? Romans 5, and 2 Corinthians 5. For what? For he made him who, what? Knew no sin to become what? Sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is one of the best definitions in scripture of the grace of God. That he who knew no sin now became sin. Not a sinner like we say. He became sin. The summation of the sin of the world. He became sin. That what? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. How did this happen? We see in verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting against people their sins, but has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. That's what Paul is speaking about. That you, having received God's grace, don't, don't receive it in vain. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Look at someone say, you have received God's grace. Your sins have been forgiven. Christ died for you. You are not the righteousness of God because it became sin. That's the grace of God. But the Bible says that grace you have received, don't receive it in vain. How is it received in vain? That's the question you should be asking me now. Say how? Let's use the Bible to open it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. So you, you, you understand how it is tied. Remember in chapter 19, chapter, chapter, chapter 5, from verse 17, he's speaking to us about the ministry of reconciliation, right? Then I explains to you the grace we have received, how Christ died for us and became sin, where now is righteousness. In enter chapter 6, he says, hey, this grace you have received... Where Jesus took your place and gave you his place, don't receive it in vain. How is it received in vain? Look at scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Let's open it. What did Paul say? I am, for I am what I am by what? I can't hear you. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Are you there? It says, but by the grace of God, oh, I love this. I am what? I am. 
and his grace towards me was not in vain. That's a word again. This grace towards me was not in vain. Oh, why was it not in vain? But I labored. So how not to receive God's grace in vain is to receive it and become an extension of it. Is to receive it and labor with it. Receive it and extend it. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Grace has been given to all of us. How did grace come? Jesus died for our, in, our, in our place and gave us his righteousness. So he stood before God as our sin and now we stand before God as his righteousness. Come and say, I'm righteous in the sight of God. I have the gift of righteousness. I am holy. I'm unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of God. I, I, I have unstained innocence before God because Jesus took my place. That's the grace of God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? But the Bible says, oh, this grace you have received, we should not receive it in vain. How is it received in vain? When it is received and it is not extended. Write that down. God's grace is received in vain when it is received and it's not extended to somebody else. When you receive it and you card it and you keep it, is how you receive it in vain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Have we all received grace? Talk to me. Have we all received grace? Oh yeah, we have all received grace. We, have, we all have received grace for the grace of God that brings us salvation and appear to all. And all of us who have put our faith in Jesus have received this grace. Romans 5 tells us... Um, uh, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we, and uh, how does it in Romans 5 verse 2? Uh, and by faith, in this grace we stand. Help me read Romans 5 verse 2, please. Romans 5 verse 2. By whom also, yes? We have access by faith into this grace where we stand. Romans 5 verse 2. So the grace has come to us and by our faith in Christ we have access into this grace. We have received it. But the Bible says, you haven't received it, you ought not to receive it in vain. How do you you not receive it in vain? When you become an extension of the grace of God. So, listen, child of God, it was given not to be hoarded. It was given not to be kept. It was given not to be, not 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 so you just only rejoice about it, but given so to be extended. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And that's why we're all seated here. That's why this church exists. That's why this building exists. That's why we are here as a church. That the grace of God extended to us, given to us by God, must be extended. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Glory to God. So he says, so Paul is actually pleading. And it's a continuation of what he had said in chapter 5. Go back to 2 Corinthians. It's a continuation of what he had said earlier in chapter 5 where he says, uh, God, that God had given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Look at verse uh, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, what is he? It's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us what? The ministry of what? 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting against men their sins, and has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation. As if to say, the reason why you are a new creation is so you can do the work. Oh, you did what I just said. The reason why you are a new creation is not just to rejoice like a new creation. New, new creation is what, is what makes you fit. Ah, is the design for the work. So Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. What good works? Which you ordained for us before the foundation of the world. What is that? Oh, the grace that he gave to us in Christ before time began. That we will extend this grace to other people. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Look at someone and say, God has given you grace. You have received the grace of God, but don't receive it in vain. Yes, 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 yes. So the reason why we are a new creation is not to just rejoice and be saying, I'm a new creation, I'm a new creation. Yes, you're a new creation, but new creation means it's your design for the work. To extend the grace of God to more and more people. This is what we are about, and that's what we must be always about. Somebody say, Amen. Come on, say, I'm a new creation. Say, Lord, I'm a new creation. You know, when you read Second Kings chapter 7, you will see in scripture how the Bible says we, people were cooking their children. Remember that story? Second Kings chapter, 7, chapter 6, chapter 7, people were cooking their children. Things were so bad that a woman and another woman planned, let's eat our children, and they ate one the first day. Huh? And the next day, they bring home, we shop. He said, No. We're not going to shop my own. And you know the story? You know the story that they were cooking their children. Things became tough. Alright? And, and when, the one, when the one at home refused, he said, let's go and tell the king. And you know the story? How the prophet said, by this time tomorrow, a bag of rice will be sold for three naira. And the man who stood by the king said, even if God opened heaven, it can happen. And God made four lepers advance to the camp of the enemy. And the Bible says, as they walked to the camp of the enemy, God made the enemy hear the sound of mighty armies. They said, God, they said, they said, Israel has gone to bring the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hittites against us. Only four lepers were advancing, but they heard the sound. Ah, you are looking at someone, you are not ordinary. We are not ordinary at all. And the enemy fled. And the four lepers entered the camp. Bible says, they began to move from one tent to another. Eating, eating, drinking. One now say, ah, ah, this thing will do so you're not good. <laughs> what we're doing is not good. This is receiving the grace of God in vain. Yes, because we did not, we did not accomplish this. For, you know, Bible is so, God is so, this Holy Ghost is so, is a good, perfect writer. Four lepers. How does lepers fit sound? That not sounds like a mighty army. So they realized, this, this is not good. People, are, you know, we just had one story of two women trying to cook their children. It means there's something already happening. We only had one report. If you check the God's judgment on one of the costs of the law, is that people will cook their children. So I'm sure they thought to themselves, people are still cooking their children because of food. What I leave, Bible says, um, um, dove's dung. Dove's dung is like what I leave. What I leave, any can grow anywhere. I hope you know that. Huh? Say, what I leave is expensive. 
People can't feed their children. And we are here overeating. They say, what we are doing is not good. That's the same way to receive God's grace in vain. It has been extended to you and you hold it. Why are you a new creation for this work? Why are you the righteousness of God for this work? Why are you the child of God for this? Why are you more than a conqueror? All is because of this one work. To extend the grace of God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And I, I, I like the way, let's go, let's continue from there. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. So, Paul now says, sometimes what limits, what challenges us and makes us to hold back is maybe the challenges that come to us. And those challenges hinder us from extending the grace of God. So Paul writes, look at what he says next in verse 2. He says, I plead with you, verse 1, don't receive it in vain. For he says, what? Verse 2, sorry, verse 1, that's verse 2 now. In an acceptable time, I what? I've heard you. In the day of salvation, I have what? Helped you. Behold, now is the time of favor, and now is the day of what? Salvation. So I told you yesterday, I think first service I said, so second service I can't remember. Hear this. So in case you are bothered and your problems and your challenges is making you hold back from extending the grace of God, Paul reminded the church, listen, listen, in the time of favor, he said, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. In case you are wondering when is your time of favor, he said it is now. So now he has heard you. Now he has helped you. What does that mean? Whatever challenge you have has already been dealt with. Don't let your challenges hinder you from extending the grace of God. Stop trying to solve all your problems first. It's the enemy's strategy to distract you. I know people who say, oh, I'm trying to solve my problems. Let me tell you, problem not the finish. As long as you live in this world, there'll be one concern or one care or another to deal with. I'm telling you. And many times what distracts us is problem. You want to solve your problem first. Oh, so because of a particular problem, the work of extending God's grace you will not do because you think God should understand and Bishop Valley should understand. Of course I understand. But your reward, the reward system will not understand. Oh, because of this. I don't know. There's no excuse. Look at someone saying, you are, there's no excuse. Excuse. Paul, with this verse 2, knocked out all the excuses. That in the time of favor, God has heard you already. So any prayer you want to pray, he has heard. Actually, before you even pray, he has heard. No, no soldier goes to war at his own expense. Everything about your life has been factored in. Every concern you have has been handled already. God wants you to give yourself completely to the extending of his grace. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Look at someone beside you. Say, God has heard your prayer already. And he has helped you already. Say, he has heard you already. He has helped you already. And he has done it now. So don't, don't give yourself, don't, don't let the things distract you. He says in um, Ephesians 
And Philippians 4, from verse 6, NLT, he said, don't worry about anything. Huh? Tell God, uh, pray about everything. Tell God what you want him to do. Prayer is not telling God the problem. He knows it already. Prayer is telling God what you want him to do. You know what I just said? Prayer is not repeating the problem to God. Prayer is, God, is telling God what you want him to do about it. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And God answers prayer. Listen, God answers prayer when you pray. Tell him what you want him to do. Don't complain. Prayer is not complain. And many times you carry this body because you don't pray. He has heard you. There's no concern in this world that should take the place of this eternal assignment. Is somebody hearing what I'm trying to say to you? Somebody say amen. Say he has heard me. He has helped me. Say he has heard me. He has helped me. Why, why, why did he say that? So that you will focus on the work. Everything is connected. For he said... Because these challenges can distract you from the work. Child of God, every concern you have has been handled already. Let me show you further. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 and 58. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 and... 57 and 58. Hallelujah. 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 See, I'm a new creation for the gospel. I'm the righteousness of God for the gospel. I am holy for the gospel. I'm blameless for the gospel. So everything we are is because of this glorious assignment, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are separated unto the gospel. Somebody say, I'm separated, called of Jesus Christ, Unto the gospel. Now look at verse 57 and 58 of this scripture. It says, But thanks be unto God, who does what? Who gives us what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only has he given us the victory, he gives us victory. That whatever challenge that comes, Not only do we have victory already in Christ Jesus, in that particular matter, he also gives us victory. I hope you understand what I'm saying. By what Christ has done, we already have the victory. Is that correct? But there are battles of life that you face every time. You know what I just said? There are life battles. It's like what they say in warfare. There's There's the war and there's the battle. Battles make up the war. So we... So, Christ has won the war. We have victory already. We know that. But there are everyday battles that we fight, we deal with, challenges. Even that, he now says, he gives us the victory. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? We say that also in John. John says, um, uh, uh, fear not little children, for you have overcome them already. It then says, for greater is that is in you than he that is in the world. It then says in 1 John 5, and this is the victory that overcomes. Overcomes. It changes to, it changes to present continuous. Overcomes. 
So the reason why we overcomes is because we already overcome. <laughs> you understand that? First John 4 says we, we have overcome them already. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. First John 5 says this is the victory that overcomes. So the reason why we overcomes is because we have already overcome. Same thing here. Christ has given us a victory already. But he says, even in the everyday battles of life, he gives you. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Come on, say, I have victory already in Christ Jesus. So, so whatever battle you're faced with now, you say, hey, it gives you the victory. Why does it give you the victory? Look at the next verse. Let's read verse 58 together. 58, everybody together. I want to go. Therefore, therefore what? What does that what does therefore mean? In the light of the fact that he gives you victory, therefore do what? My beloved brethren, be what? And what? Always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. What's the work of the Lord? The gospel. The gospel. Why? Because it's child of God, he has given you victory. He will give you victory. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? He has given you victory already. And surely he will give you victory. So that you will not be distracted. Therefore, in the light of that, always be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Say abounding. Abounding is increasing. So your, your, how you worked last year must not be how you worked this year. The, traje- the trajectory must be increasing. Last year, I worked hard. This year, I'm going to work harder. Why? Because I have victory already in Christ Jesus. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying to you? Therefore, my beloved brethren, he says, be what? Steadfast. Immovable. Always what? Abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is what? Not in vain in the Lord. Hi. Remember labor? First Corinthians 15 verse 10. I'm what I am by the grace of God. And I labored more than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. When he speaks of labor, he's talking about the work we do in extending the grace of God because of the grace of God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Tell someone again, say you have received grace, but don't receive it in vain. Yeah. To receive it in vain is to hold it back and not extend it. Now, let's close with these two things. How do we extend the grace of God? What is this Bible talk for us to extend the grace of God? How do we extend the grace of God? Paul speaks about it in two ways. I've already mentioned one, and I'll mention the last one shortly. In 2 Corinthians 4, quickly. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4. Oh, glory to God. He says, therefore, are you there? Please look at your Bible. Therefore, since we have received what? This ministry. How many of us have received it? All of us. What ministry? The assignment. If you go go over chapter 3, you see we spoke about from verse 6 about the ministry of the new covenant. The ministry of the gospel. The ministry of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, therefore, since we have received this ministry, 
as we have what? Received mercy, grace. That this thing we have received, it has come to us by the grace of God. Paul always saw the gospel, the work of ministry as a privilege. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? See, you must not see this work as just as obligation. Yes, it's obligation. What is me if I preach not the gospel? A dispensation of the gospel has been committed to me, he said. But I understand this obligation as a privilege. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? It's a privilege. It's a privilege you have received from God. Somebody say amen. amen. Say we have received this ministry as we have received mercy. Mercy. Remember I taught this some time ago about when I thought about when I taught what would you have me do? That you who have received mercy, you are to extend mercy. Somebody say amen. amen. Glory to God. Now we are changing the language now from mercy to grace. It's the same thing we are saying. Grace. Receive mercy, grace. We do not lose heart. You see that? But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our what? So you see that this ministry is speaking about is the preaching of what? What is the gospel? He died for my sins. He was buried. And what happened? He rose again. He died for my sins. He was buried. rose again for my justification. It's veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, believe, lest the light of the gospel of the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves. For we do not preach what? Who do we preach? But Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves as born servants for his sake. Preaching the gospel is not preaching yourself, but preaching Christ. Preaching the gospel is not telling stories, but preaching Christ. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? It's not storytelling. It's not telling us that Jeremiah went to visit Elijah. Hi, Abraham married Keturah. Who cares? If it, does, if it doesn't dovetail to his death, burial, and resurrection, you have not preached the gospel. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Someone said the gospel. Alright? And we as born servants, ask him what comes again. Born servants for Jesus' sake, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus. Look at verse 7. For we have this treasure. What is treasure? The gospel. In earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of who? God and not of us. Let me tell you. The gospel is the power. It's not the preacher that makes the gospel powerful. Oh, you know what I just said? When, you see, for those of you who are preachers, when you learn this, it takes the pressure off of you. You will see more miracles in your ministry. When you understand that, it's not you that makes it powerful. But it's powerful by itself. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? I've seen incredible things. Incredible things. I, as people just believe the gospel. Somebody say amen. Oh, glory to God. You see, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death. For Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is working in us, but life in you. Paul is speaking about the persecutions he was facing as a preacher of the gospel. Verse 13. And since we have, look at this where we are going, verse 13. And since we have what? The same spirit of faith. Attitude of faith. According to what is written. I believed. And therefore, what? I spoke. We also believe. And therefore, we speak. Knowing that he will raise up Jesus. Our Lord Jesus will also raise us up also. And will present us with you. Look at verse 15 now. For all things. How many things? How many things? All things are for your sakes. How many things are for your sake? What does, what does that mean? All things are for your sake. What does it mean? What does all things for your sake mean? Huh? Everything is for your benefit. How many things are for your sake? All things are for your sakes. Why? Why? That what? That grace, I'm reading from NKJV now, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. All things are for your sakes. To what intent? That you will spread the grace of God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? What exactly is God's grace in context here? The preaching of the gospel. That also Paul says, no matter what is going on, we don't get discouraged or deterred from this work. Let all pressure break loose upon us. We are pressed on every side. There's challenge. And it's even to death. We will not stop preaching this gospel. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That's the place God wants to take all of us to. Like Paul, they beat him with rods. Left him for dead. When the disciples surrounded Paul, he got up. Guess where he went next after he got up? Guess where he went to when he got up from when they beat him? Bible says he went back in. Same place he beat him. He went back inside. <laughs> if you like, kill me. You know, you can't kill you, you can't kill you one die already. Who one die? You can't kill him. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Our prayer this, in this morning's retreat is simple, though. May God bring us to this place. It's God to bring us there. It is God who brings us to that place. And He will bring us. That every one of us will have this strong focus that we understand that all things are for our sakes for this assignment. I am healed because of this matter. I am healthy for this assignment. I have money because of this matter. I'm the righteousness of God because of this. I have a job because of this. I have a wife because of this. Everything I am and I have is because of this one matter. Say all things are for my sake. So that the grace of God will extend 
through me to more people. Somebody say amen. And the second way Paul speaks about the grace of God, how we extend the grace of God, is in that direction also, but is a different uh, way, is in the area of our giving. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. In the area of our giving. Somebody say amen. Say giving. Glory to God. So one of how we extend the grace of God is not only as we preach the gospel, but as we give for his cause. As we give so that the needs of fellow brethren might be met, we are extending the grace of God. So when we receive resources, you receive it in vain when it's not extended. You know what I just said? It wasn't given to be kept. Oh, you know what I just said? It was given so you can be a blessing. You know what I just said? Oh, glory to God. A pastor called me. He said it was a mistake. He called me. He said it was a mistake. So, and I called him back. He said, oh, Bishop, sorry, it was a mistake. I, I said, oh. As, as it was a mistake, Mr. Holy Ghost said, ask for his account number. I hesitated first. <laughs> and I asked. And he sent it to me, and I wired him money. He prayed them and prayed for me yesterday. <laughs> but you know, let, me, let me tell you what happened. That was before, as I'm on my way to church for first service. As I landed in first service, and I wanted to pay my tithe and offering from account. What did I say, Charles? They don't send me money, oh. <laughs> the money I left in the account is not what I saw. Somebody already gave me two times the money I sent. No, not two. More than two times the money I sent to that guy. You did what I just said. I already gave that guy in the morning. As I got to church to give my offering, I asked that I shouted. Uh-uh. They don't send me money. <laughs> God already gave me the money. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Now, don't think that the money that man sends to me is the blessing of what I gave up. No, he gives seed to the sower. He was just giving me seed. You're not the crap that I talk. The money that man sent to me that was two times is not the reward of what I gave. That was seed he was giving me to give. The reward they come. The reward they come. The reward they come. So, one of the ways we extend the grace of God is in the area of giving. Child of God, see, you know, in church I teach here, we don't give, we're not trying to whine God, trying to manipulate God, but you see, child of God, we must give for this work to move forward. It's by our giving, that through our giving, more people will hear the gospel. Through our giving, those who have needs, their needs will be met, and child of God, I not get, not be excused. Because we have always profiled the, the Macedonian church in their poverty. In their deep poverty. Adjective. Martha, adjective. Adjective. Well, and their deep affliction. They gave beyond themselves. Second Corinthians 8. Oh, have you received the grace of God? Have you received the grace of God? My prayer for you, like Paul prayed for the churches, you will not receive it in vain. You will not receive the grace of God in vain. Rather, you will be an extension of the grace of God by the preaching of the gospel and by your giving. Somebody say, Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
When you don't give, you're not being smart. Actually. Some of you think it's smartness not to give. I swerve them. Oh, you swerve yourself. You swerve yourself. People have needs. Some people have hospital bills. That they, they, I mean, they're in church here. There's no other place they know. Some are dying. They, they need surgery. Where will they go? It must concern you today. Look, as I would say, it concerns you. <laughs> but are you not grateful to God that you're not the one in need? That you're the one giving? You're not the one who is being driven from a house. You're not the one who is in the hospital needing surgery. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That's the grace you have received here. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Say, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on where? The churches of Macedonia that in a great child of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of what? So you see that this, this church functioned under the grace of God. It was God's grace that made them do what they did. It says, for I bear witness that according to the ability, yes, and beyond the ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with so much urgency that we will receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as it had begun, so it would also complete what? This grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, in your love for us, see also that you abound in this grace. As you can preach very well, also give very well. As you can sing very well, also give very well. As you can love very well, also give very well. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? About in the grace. Somebody say amen. You see, I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. It was challenging the Corinthian church by the Macedonian church. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his what? Poverty, you might become rich. Hallelujah. And if you enter chapter 9, chapter 9, go to verse 6. Say, but, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap what? He who sows bountifully will also reap what? And, not, and so let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful and God is able to make what? All grace abound toward you that you will also have all sufficiency in how many things? And you may have an abundance for every good work. He has dispersed, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply, multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Somebody say amen. Thank you for listening. 
We trust God that you've been tremendously blessed by this podcast. To download the full message and other messages by Bishop Wale Ajayi, please visit www.cgmimiraclecenter.org. You can also follow Bishop Wale Ajayi on all social media platforms. Be blessed.